All right, guys. Uh, welcome to uh, Dunamis Podcast. That's right. You got right the there, Dunamis right sticker on your Bible. <laughs> Keeps my Bible together. Bro, I was thinking, how long do we know each other? <laughs> you got it down. I think you said, what, 2008? 2008. So that is what, 13? <laughs> Thir- Something like that. 13? Oh, yeah, man. 13, all- almost 14. No, yeah. 14 years, basically. Man. Long so, time. So we met in uh, Rio de Janeiro, mm-hmm. Brazil. And uh, it was a swirly weekend. But, I mean, we got history, bro. Yeah, we do. Um, and this is the thing, man. I, I, Well, first off, thank you for coming on this. Dude, I love it. And I wanted to get you on this. Uh, and it just worked out because we're here in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're here teaching in Hawaii. Yeah. I'm here doing uh, the season, special season in Hawaii. And it, it just God connection, bro. Dude, and we're here. I'm in your house. Yep. I'm around your, your kids are upstairs. Your exactly. wife looking amazing. Yeah, man. Walking around. This is awesome. I love this. Third child about to be born. So, Will, I kind of wanted to to hear your story, although I know the story. Okay. But I feel like your story is so powerful. And people that are <laughs> listening to us, I mean, could be so, they should, I'm, I'm sure they will be impacted by your story. Okay. So, uh, you're just so out of the box, bro. Like, you're one of those guys that I say, when I think about unlabelable people, it's Will Hart. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> like, you can't put a label on you. In, like, what sense? Like, what, like a Christian like, label? Like, like you're, you're not a typical not a pastor. ministry guy. You're not okay. a typical ministry guy. You're not a typical white dude. You're not a typical missionary revivalist, you know. <laughs> I've been called white guy today twice. <laughs> that doesn't well, happen to me you're normally. You're in the Pacific, oh, right? I know, it's true, it's true. <laughs> People here look like me. <laughs> they do. Yeah. You you, you blend right in. I get. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I stick out. I get sunburned. It's but the it's red okay, beard. Okay, man. But all right, man. Tell me a story. You're from New England. Yeah. So Gloucester, Massachusetts, little island, little island north of Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up there. Mom. Both my parents are artists. Uh, grew up artists. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know anything different. Um, I can't throw a football, but I can blend pastels. <laughs> That's, like, yeah, you give me awesome. some pastels, and I'll just blend them. That's awesome. I'll blend them. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home. Um, Mom and Dad got saved when I was really young. And uh, I remember Christianity coming to the house. Yeah. I, I, I remember, like, the day I found out my mom got saved. It oh, was just, everything changed. Wow. Uh, everything became bad. Bad? Yeah, like like the Smurfs. I used to love watching the Smurfs. You know the Smurfs? You get this? <laughs> oh, you, so she was that kind of Christian. Yeah, and and like, like everything's from the devil. We kind of like no, like she you know? wasn't like. Listen, I love my mom. She like I've I've dogged a lot on my mom over the years. Like yeah, so I'm trying to back off a little bit. <laughs> She's like we've had one or two conversations with okay. it. So like the reality is, my mom was like anyone else, right? Like hungry, zealous. Okay, I was there in the early days of her zealousness, which mm. so many Christians I think can understand, especially spirit filled. Totally, totally, right? Like totally. you're just doing the best you can as fast yep. as you can. Yep. You know, I was as I left here. I was listening to one of the YWAM students like have a conversation with with his parents. Yeah, and like everything he said, I was like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> like this is my calling, and you know, like <laughs> I don't care what you say, it doesn't change my calling. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. like, oh no, He's cringing in the yeah. inside. Yeah, and I get it. It's just young and zealous, and you're learning yeah. to grow. So like, my mom got saved. I grew up around that where where it was literally there was so much teaching about everything, mm. and uh, yeah, so Smurfs are gone. Halloween's gone. Wow. Weekends, which we used to like, my parents, you know, we used Disney to Disney movies? 
Um, Did you do that? We didn't have a color TV until I was like 10. Really? Yeah. But that, that was some I, like the hippie have, background. We didn't have a, a TV till I was uh, 13. So Yeah, I remember the day color TV came into my house. So I know that when you were 12, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you kind of went your way. Yeah. Which is kind of early for somebody to have a, a rebellious stage. I, okay, so I was curious. I, I am like pretty high energy. You know that. Like yeah. I have a hard time focusing. I self-medicate. I did from like a young age. I was into like, I got put on ADD medication. When I was about 12 years old. Uh-huh. Um, and I always loved to self-medicate. So as soon as I found drugs, I was, was it. I was in it. Like was I was world. in it deep because it was great. And I could feel something it would calm me down. So I started smoking uh, at like 12, started doing drugs at 12. And then wow. 12 to 17 just progressed deeper and deeper into like more darker stuff. Some yeah. heavier stuff. I didn't do like whenever I say I'm a drug addict. Like I did drugs every day. Right now the drugs like weed they're legal. It's a lot less taboo. But like at 12, 13, 14, that was like a lot. And yeah. At least in the community that I grew up in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did it every day. I was addicted to pills too. I got but I got put on some crazy um, depression anti depression pills. By, when I was by doctors. Yeah, they put me on something called Wellbutrin huh. for ADD and for depression. And so, like, I, I was actually physically addicted to that as well. It messed, That drug messed me up. Um, my parents didn't know what to do with me. 12 mm-hmm. through 18. 17. 17. They're yep. following the Lord. Yep. You're doing your own thing. Yep. Going to church. Went to Sunday school every so often, in and out. Okay. Kind of like 15, 16, 17, I veered, I veered off. I got a job. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was working. I was going to school. I was doing drugs. And I got, like, that 15 through 17 was, like, kind of my darkest years. Got into some, like, a little bit of witchcraft, a little bit of, like, Occult stuff okay, you're as well. In Massachusetts, right? Yeah, we were surrounded by it. Yeah, I was into the Boston underground hardcore scene. So, wow. Yeah. Now I know that there's a story where you go into the under uh, to like a basement mm-hmm. meeting. Is that is that like what turned everything around? Yeah. So I had a radical encounter with the Lord at nine that I can remember. Uh-huh. I had another one probably like ten or eleven, and then my third one was seventeen. So I had a that's couple, the one with Bob. That's the one with Bob. Yeah. Okay. So I had a couple like very, very quick ones that marked me. And now that I look back, and you know, as you get older, you like you look back, you reminisce, you piece things together. Yeah. I saw the hand of the father, but it was at 17, walked into this Assemblies of God church that I the same church I had my first encounter with at nine years old. Okay. Same church, walk into the basement of that church, and uh they were doing a meeting with a guy named Bob Bradbury, and he said, Jesus loves you. And as soon as he said it, the power of God dropped on me. And I began to, like, shake and weep in my chair uncontrollably. So, like, for people that are not familiar with this kind of language, Mm -hmm. what do you mean by power of God dropped on you? Yeah, great question. (laughs) Uh, Well, let me me say this. He, He said, Jesus loves you. Okay. And I'd heard that a million times. Like and he went to your face, he, no, he walked no, towards you? No, he's preaching in okay. the crowd, maybe 60 people there, small meeting. Okay. I'm sitting in the back. He says, Jesus loves you. He's speaking this to the crowd. But as he said it, the only, and this is going to sound weird, but whatever, I don't care. It changed yeah. my life. Yeah. I felt like like love, almost like a liquid from the top of my head, like wow. fall over my body, the bottom of my feet. And I felt loved for the first time. Not like loved by my parents. My parents always loved me. Yeah. But it was it was the love of the creator. It was the love of God that fell on me. And it, and I remember it just like oozing down oozing down me from head to toe and feeling alive for the first time ever. Man, so so like what was your reaction to that? So my first reaction was 
oh my God, this is what love is. And then immediately. Like nobody told you you're feeling love. You just knew this is love. Yeah, yeah. Jesus loves you. Boom. I, I had an encounter with love. Just like that. Just hit me. Boosh. And then secondly, very quickly, I felt his power. And which to me at 17 felt like electricity going through my body and fire and heat. And it just started going through my now, body. Don't you think like for us, we've been in meetings, mm-hmm. you and I, we've been in meetings where we'll see, you know, for a typical Christian that is not exposed to charismatic expressions, it's kind of crazy. But for us, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like this thing that we see like electricity, yep. heat, yep. people shaking. Some people say like, people weeping. Yep. Um, now, today, I mean, you're used to that. But mm-hmm. at the time, did that freak you out? 100%. I was out. I lost control. And that, that might offend a lot of believers. Because, I mean, you, you had been experiencing with drugs, right? So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So you had all these different sensations. And I loved it. I loved the sensations. That's what I was going for. But then when this thing happened, did it freak you out? Was this like something, oh, I don't yep. like this? or No, I loved it. Immediately, okay. I loved it. But you it. had a fear. Holy fear, yes. Because wow. I, I, at the, so, as I play it back, I can look at the stages. But it all happened, like, within moments. So as soon as I encountered love, immediately God became real. God was undeniable in a second. In a second. Wow. Everything that I had been taught, preached, any, everything that I went to Sunday school, it was like, oh my God, they're right. He's mm. real. Wow. And then immediately in my heart, and I, it was like I had a conversation with myself. If God is real, and I know he is right now, there's no doubt. I was talked at my whole life, but right now there is no doubt that God is not real. He is touching me. I feel his love. I feel his power. If he is real, it was like one plus one equals two. If he's real, then I have to give everything I have to him. Like there was, if the creator of the universe, yeah, it think. was logical. If, if that God that I used to think was made up, dude in yeah. the clouds, yeah. throwing down lightning bolts is actually real. And he's touching me in my sin, in my filth, mm-hmm. in my disgusting state that I was in. If mm-hmm. he's real, how could I go back and just eat Cheerios the next morning and continue on with my life like I had before? Like it, it, that, and I still, I always have a hard time explaining this, but it was one of the most impactful things that's ever happened to me. And then you came to this conclusion, I got to give him my life. Yes. And you did. Uh, right there on the floor. What, I mean, what, what does that mean? So, but, so, okay, so the preacher goes, God loves you. Then he says this, not, and I feel love. Then he says, not only does he love you, but he wants to use you. Wow. So this is all happening in like seconds. a minute okay. at, at most, 30 seconds. And I'm just shaking and I'm weak. Power of God hits me. I'm shaking and I'm, I give my life to if If this is you, God, I want more, right? Mm-hmm. Then he says, not only does he love you, he wants to use you. Not only does he want to use you, but he's going to do it tonight. And so I went through, in a matter of moments, I went through, he's real. He wants me. Like he, he actually me. can use yeah, me. He loves, he loves me, but he actually yeah. is looking for me. Wow. And then not pursued by this almighty God. Yeah. And not only is he pursuing me, but he's going to use my life. And not only is he going to use my life, that's not in five years from now when I go to seminary. It's tonight. And he's going to use you tonight. And with those words, I ran forward. Bob laid his hands on me. I fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was on the floor rolling around. Okay, Okay, go for it. Fell out under the Mm -hmm. power of the Holy Spirit. Yep. What is that? I mean, what do you what what is what do you mean by that? I was it was a combination of being overwhelmed. By God, it was it was overwhelming when I when I held my like you son. You felt it. Yep. When I held my son for the first time, I was overwhelmed. Okay. I, I I couldn't think. I couldn't taste. I couldn't. It was just 
every emotion in my body flooded at the same as I held this this my son in my arms. You've experienced it. Oh yeah. I was overwhelmed with responsibility, joy, yeah, love, yeah, yeah, compassion. Yeah. F- you know, f- worry about my wife. It was just all a second. Time. Imagine that times ten, times a hundred. I was overwhelmed to the part where I could not physically stand anymore. So, like, you losing control of your body. You're down. Christians don't like when you say lose control because God's not a God that makes you lose control. Wow. So, yes, I I could control myself. However, I didn't want to. You you were willingly. I'm gonna dive into this thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Whatever got whatever happens, I want it. Wow. And then what happened? You're out there on the floor. I'm on the floor. I'm rolling around on the ground, and I am convicted of sin. I am convicted of my unworth and my unworthiness. I'm convicted of every blemish, and I am I am combating this emotion of of God filling me, touching me, loving me, and at the same same time being just filthy, just wow. the most disgusting one in the room. And those two paradigms, they just came together. And it, with this overwhelming calling from the Lord saying, I'm calling you, I'm calling you, give your life to me, I'm calling you. And, and so, like, I love the conviction, the mm-hmm. conviction that comes. See, most people... The, the critics of maybe what I'm sharing, they're, they're just saying it's an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. It is not. Yeah, it is highly emotional, yeah. but it was the conviction of God. It, it's not just an emotional experience. No. Like emotions are a byproduct of a, of a greater truth that's happening within your spirit. You're being convicted. Yes. And, and we know by the word that it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. Mm-hmm. So it's like Holy Spirit is working inside yep. you. You're like, I got to change. Yeah. I'm having an encounter. This is kind of like a, uh, a Saul, you know, Damascus moment. It, it, for me, it was from that moment, everything changed. Wow. And didn't just change like, oh, I'm on a journey and I'm going up. No, I went from being an ardent drug addict, sinner, involved in demonic activity to my whole entire life given to Jesus uh, fasting, prayer, wow. study, hunger for the word, every drug left my system. Wow. In a moment, in a moment, I was completely set free. Delivered. Delivered. And then, Anger, hatred, wow. depression. I was a cutter. All of it gone in a moment. Instantly. Yep. The only thing that didn't go, because I'm just going to be fully, yep. was my addiction to cigarettes. Nicotine. Yep. And and But I was so convicted of that sin mm-hmm. that... But I still had this physical desire for it. I I put uh, I put the pack on a shelf uh, behind my Bible, so I had to go through the Word <laughs> to get to that thing. That's wow. everything changed and in a so, moment. So it was a process, a gradual process, where you were finally delivered to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, a couple of weeks and it was gone. Now, so so what happens? I mean, you 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 graduating high school or you graduated? It was my senior year. Uh, so, so then you graduate high school. Well, what do you do? So I so bef- okay. So I go back to school the next day. Mm-hmm. Everything I used to wear black. I wear a, oh you were one of those. I throw on a blue polo and a pair of khakis. It was the only thing I had that wasn't black. <laughs> and okay. I remember sitting there at homeroom just weeping the next day. And I shook. I literally shook for three days. Just like a constant buzz inside like just, your bone. And I would think of Jesus, and I would just weep. Man, I couldn't say the name Jesus without weeping for like at least a week. Gosh, that's powerful, Will. <laughs> and so I lost all my friends. Well, what do they think? You're crazy, right? Mm-hmm. 
So this happened on a Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I go back Friday. Thursday night, get saved. I go back Friday, lose all my friends. Sunday, I go to church that uh-huh. we had always attended to. Yeah. And like my parent, like I was the kid that they, that they would have prayer meetings like, don't let Will affect the other children, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I go, hide your kids. Yeah. Will Hart's coming. I go to my youth pastor who I love. He's a good friend. I love that man. I owe so much to him. So everything I'm telling you is not a knock on him. It's just the yeah. response. Yeah. I go, the Holy Spirit filled me. I fell out. I, I, I'm experiencing his power. I love him so much. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. said, you, you had a mountaintop experience. Come back to me when this calms down. I'll tell you what it is to walk out a normal Christian life. Wow. Wow. And I still rub it in his face every time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm still in the mountaintop. Yep. Man, so 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 what happens? I I know you you like you wanted to do missions, right? Mm-hmm. Or or you ended up doing missions. I was going to do anything. My whole cry was, "Here I am, God, take my life." So for the next 6 months, I just finished school, right? Mm-hmm. And I go into a season of just prayer and fasting and anything that had to do with Jesus, I was there. Any church service I was hungry, there, just any hungry. prayer meeting I was there, I would drive hours to go to meetings yeah, on the weekends, yeah, yeah. whatever it was. Just and hungry. I, yeah. And and so the guy who's the guy whose ministry I got saved under, like he was there ministering that night. He was yep. a, an itinerant. He made a mistake. He gave me his his email, and so I just started emailing. And then he made a second mistake. He gave me his number. <laughs> so you were calling him like weekly. Wow. Just I need more of Jesus, and, and yeah. I became this lost yeah. puppy dog. Yeah. You know what it's like to be like oh, yeah. find someone that you, oh, you sure. see. I've been there too, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And so I followed him around for months. Anytime he was doing a meeting, I would go to his meetings. Uh-huh. And I would and I wasn't even I would drive illegally to his meetings. Like I only had my learner's <laughs> permit. I wasn't even supposed to do that. But but after he was done preaching, I would go and I'd take his Bible. Yes. And I would catch for him as he would minister to people. I'd stand behind and I'd help him. Serve me. Yeah. And I took his and this is like this wasn't like a hey, serve me, bro, or no, I'm gonna serve you. I was just like, huh? I will do anything to be around this. Yeah, you, you then, wanted you wanted you were attracted to the anointing. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I grew up, my mom would always say, if you want the anointing, you serve the anointing. Yep. So it's like when you recognize somebody's anointed of the Lord, you mean you just it's not you're 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 practicing idolatry. You're no. making you know, you're worshiping that person, but you recognize yeah. God's hands yeah. on that man or on that woman. Yeah. Paul had it with Timothy. Like exactly. it's it's it, this is a normal thing to for a for a kid to want to be fathered. So so I want to know, like, so so where'd you go? So I follow Bob around. Yeah. Finally, like, after five months, he's like, hey, kid, I'm going to Paraguay. You Paraguay, South America. Yeah. You want to come? So I was like, yes, that's all I ever want to do in my life. I go down to Paraguay for two weeks, travel around. I see miracles, signs, and wonders. I watch God move and use me, not just use Bob, but he was moving You're through You're, what, 18, 19? I was 17. 17 still. Yeah, 17 at the time. So you were a minor. You're in Paraguay. Yeah, yeah. Praying for the sick, people being healed. Yep. Preaching the gospel, getting people getting saved. Yeah, I wasn't doing the preaching yet, but but I was praying for people during ministry time. And then we're there two weeks. We're flying home. We're I'm packing up my luggage, and we're getting ready to go out to the lobby of the hotel uh-huh. where, like, you know, the pastors are coming to say goodbye. All the yeah, pastors yeah, of the yeah, church, yeah. Say, you get it. Yeah. And so I, I walk out. I, I'm packing my bag, and the Lord speaks to me. I want you to move here. So I leave. Move I pa- to Paraguay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I failed Spanish one three times in high school. <laughs> three times? <laughs> three times. The third time, they kicked me out for harassing the teacher. I won't tell you what I did. No, uh, don't. We're no, just talking off, off, you know, <laughs> off record. It was bad. I was not a good kid. Okay. I, I did something really horrible to my Spanish teacher, and, so I, they, and so I said something really horrible to her. So they flunked you. 
And now yeah. the Lord's telling you, move to Paraguay. Move to Paraguay. So I walk out. I go into the lobby where everybody's saying goodbye. And I go, Bob, I feel like the Lord wants me to move here. And he goes, awesome. You're my first missionary. Just like that. We're he's sitting not, at a table not, like this. He's not even asking, I mean, what he's do you like, mean? Are no. you sure? He's like, what about your parents? Nothing. No, this is what happens. I go, Bob, I think God wants me to move here. I was just there. He's praying. He's like, that's awesome. I, I want a missionary here. He didn't have any missionaries. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> this isn't a program. This is just Bob. <laughs> he's I like, it, I want man. a missionary here. And so. He's so releasing. Yeah, he stands <laughs> up and he goes, hey, uh, anybody got a room for a kid in here? And a guy raises his hand. He goes, see. He goes, I got you a house. I got you a place to stay. Go get his email. That's literally how it happened. I go, I meet this guy. He was a pastor in one of the churches we went to. He was actually a youth pastor. Okay. I meet him, and we exchange emails. Like three months, I go home the day my class is oh, walking Oh, so you out. go home, mm-hmm. and then you, yep. you're going to go back. Pack up, uh, tell my family. What did they say? They were like, <laughs> I was dead, right? And so now I'm alive. And, they, and no, my for parents, them, it's just like, man, as long like, as he's serving Jesus, they're like, we're he's good, not man. doing drugs. He loves the Lord. He's <laughs> worshiping. They saw the transformation. Got they it. saw the immediate transformation yeah. in my life. So I, I, go, I go back. Uh, I fly into Paraguay. They, this guy picks me up, and I'm, he, I move into the closet of his five-year-old and eight-year-old's bedroom. Man. I literally move into a closet See, that's, the that's, size that's of this table. I, that's what I love about these stories, bro. Because <laughs> people can see you up on stage, man, mm-hmm. speaking to yeah. a multitude of people. They'll never <laughs> figure. Man, this man lived in a closet in Paraguay. Legitimately. And I didn't even have a door. I had a sheet with, like, <laughs> Roadrunner, Tasmanian <laughs> Devil on it. You know those <laughs> I love it, <laughs> Little man. kid sheets that hung down, and like I would cry myself sleep every night, and why Jonathan you, and Beto would, would watch me cry. Why would you cry, though? Because I was like, I didn't know the language. I'm all alone. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you, you still hadn't found your wife? No, th- I, no, that was until years later. Really? I lived single the whole time I was in Paraguay. I never dated nothing. Oh, man. All right, I so, never so- dated anyway. My wife's the first girl I ever kissed, first girl I ever been with. First Come girl I ever dated. Come on, even in your rebellious years. Nobody huh? wanted a chubby druggie. <laughs> <laughs> chubby druggie. All right, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> With back knee. With back knee. Yeah. yeah. So. And dressed in black. Yeah, man. You I wasn't a pretty coach, picture. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. None of that. And I went in and out of it. Listen, like, I wasn't always in black. But, like, when we do shows. Did, did, you, and, did yeah. you, like, paint your fingernails black? Sometimes, yeah. You put, like, uh, Marilyn Manson makeup on? No, but I did see him. I did see him live. Live? Like mm-hmm. a concert or like mm-hmm. walking around? Yeah, I saw him live. Okay. Mm-hmm. You were into that? Yeah. Uh, what's the, the something inch nails? Yeah. For me, I was, it was a band called Tool. Tool, yeah, yeah. I remember like that they band. were... They're kind of demonic. Huh? Maynard James Keenan was the closest thing to Jesus before I met Jesus. Like, I worshipped You worshipped this guy. I worshipped Maynard James Keenan. I thought he was a god amongst mere mortals. No, I mean, I'm not familiar with Tool. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Is it kind of like uh, <laughs> I know it's like uh, it's a it's band. It's melodic rock, um, very deep. But I mean, spiritually speaking, what, what is totally that? demonic. The drummers are like an open Satanist. Um, they hate Jesus. They have songs. That, oh, wow. So you were yeah. into that. Oh, yeah. And now you're serving Jesus in Paraguay, sleeping in a closet. Yep. And crazy stuff started happening. Most of the people I would pray for would get healed. Um, 80%. About eighty percent of the people I would pray for get healed. Didn't matter what it was. Come on, and man. we saw, and I and and I don't move in that today. Yeah, uh, it was a grace. It was a period of my life. Yeah, the time yeah, I was yeah. in Paraguay. Yeah, um, and things started to speed up. 
when I prayed for a kid in a coma. He came out of the coma uh, in the hospital. Come on. And then the president's wife heard about it, called us. I ended up going to a... Uh, so the first lady hears about this mm -hmm. miracle, mm -hmm. calls you up in Paraguay. Mm -hmm. I mean... I want you to come. My friend's dying of cancer. I want you to come to our Catholic prayer meeting. Come. I said, sure. And me and Bob, my wife, Moosey, she was our translator at the time. We went and ministered uh, to her um, and all of the dignitaries' wives that were there. That was That's amazing. I maybe I think I just turned eighteen at that point. That's amazing. Yeah, bro. I, I want to get to Africa, bro. Okay. How'd you get to Africa? Like, just kind of like jump us through Africa. So fast forward six. Fast forward five years. Um, I'd been itinerating, been traveling the globe with Randy now, Clark. Now, are you with, you're with Randy Clark now? Mm -hmm. okay. Traveling the globe, and I meet five days into starting my time traveling with Randy. We did a conference called Voice of the Apostles. and Which I heard, still exists. Yeah, and I heard about this, this woman named Heidi Baker, who was one of the speakers. Wow. And I went down to listen to her. Oh, so you were with Randy, and then you went with Heidi? Yep. Okay. <laughs> then I went back to Randy, and then I went back to Heidi. Okay. It's it's okay. it's a little it's That's a weird awesome. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Voice of the Apostles, I hear she's there. I I hear all these amazing things about her. I go down, and the power so you, of God hits me. So while she's speaking, you like, power of God hits me. I'm sitting on the floor. She's and it's just packed in this room. Next is, thing is I is this like uh, where did they hold this? Is Christ Community? This is at Life Center Church. Oh, at Life Center. Yeah, before they had their big building. Yeah, this is in so their old building. So this is in like the in 13th Street, Harrisburg? Life no, no, no. This is their new, the new, the building that they purchased. The Tyco building. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm there. Yeah. You were at, yeah, no, no. You I, were I at got, school right there. Oh, bro. I had yeah. history with Life Center, man. Yeah. But I mean, that's another story. But yeah. So you're there. Heidi so I'm speaking. there. Heidi speaking. The power of God hits me. I start to see faces. I start to see Africans, like full on visions. Open and vision, closed just vision. My eyes are closed, and I'm seeing yeah, what yeah, she's yeah. talking about, and it's reigniting my heart for Paraguay. Like it's reigniting my heart for missions because I've been itinerating for three years, and I loved in, it in America, in Amer all around the globe. Okay, with Randy okay. Clark. Okay, and so I get this thing. My missions heart just rises up. Next thing I know, I open up my eyes, and like Heidi has me in her arms, cradling me like, like some a baby. Baby, yes, like it. Yeah, and I was undone. I just can't get the chubby druggie out of my mind now. <laughs> Ain't nobody want that. <laughs> so Heidi's holding you, bro. Yep. Wow, what a scene. And it changed my life. So that was five days after I started traveling with Randy. That that one encounter happens, okay? Hold okay. on, just fa I'm piecing this thing together. Okay. So fast forward, I'm with Randy three years, and yeah. I just had this connection. Like, So when there was a trip to Mozambique, I would ask to go on it. Okay. And so my heart connected with Heidi, my relationship with Heidi and Rollins started to happen as I would lead teams over for Global Awakening. And at year three of traveling with Randy, I got tired of the game. I got tired of lining them up, praying for people, seeing them not do anything with what they received. Wait, what do you mean by the game? What is the game? Oh, okay, number one. What do you Randy, refer to? This is not Randy. This is the people that received. Like, they... They is a bless me club. I was tired okay. of the bless me club. Of like the conference circuit of uh -huh. like these, yep. uh, the, these conference ladies or, yep. or, or yep. men. Yep. And 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 that's one one side of the coin is I got sick of it. The other side of the coin is God uses use that time and so many people got blessed. And many of the people that I run with today, people like you that I yep. met in the conference scene, right? Like yep. there's the garbage with it. But at the time, my heart was just not. There's a handling. lot of people that don't, don't don't do much. They don't do anything. But there's a few that actually get yes. ignited, yes. and it's just like yes. 
But there's a few that just want another prayer, another prophecy, another encounter. Mm-hmm. And I get that if you do something with it. But I was seeing a lot of people not doing something with it. You're discouraged. So I'm like, discouraged. I, I need to yeah. do something else. And Heidi, Heidi reaches out to Randy. She goes, hey, I want Will and Moosey. I got married during that time. I want Will and Moosey to come move out. And Randy released And Moosey is Paraguayan. Full-blooded. Okay, so you marry a mm-hmm. full-blooded Latina. Yep, 100%. Man, what, bro, that's a... <laughs> That's a Dude, culture shock for muy you, huh? caliente. Muy caliente. It wasn't. It actually wasn't because <laughs> I spent three years there. Yeah, that's right. And, that's right. And uh, I knew her. We spent. A, we had an amazing friendship. L- let me just kind of take this. Uh, like, I, I want to go on a tangent here. Okay, go for it. Do you feel like your early experiences overseas, abroad, made you think differently and, and see the world differently? Best thing I ever did. Okay. Then you come back to America. Yep. Don't you kind of like... Talking to your friends, do they get you? Well, all my friends were off of college. <laughs> and okay. so I was like alone. And I didn't have a lot of friends anyway because I, you know, none of them wanted to hang out no, with me. No, see, because my experience is like I, well, you know my story, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I lived in between cultures for mm-hmm. my whole life. It just yeah. kind of feel, it feels like when people move at an early age yep. to another country, yep. you pick up that other culture. Yep. And then when you try to go back to where you came from, it just doesn't feel like you're coming home. Doesn't make sense. It's weird. It's like, don't you feel like, at least I feel like I've been floating ever since mm-hmm. I know myself as a person. Yeah. Like, what am I? Am I Japanese? Am I Brazilian? Am right. I uh, American? Am I, right. you know, you're just like up in the air. Yeah. Well, you much so more than me, right? My yeah, first experience. Yeah, but I'm thinking at- when you go to Paraguay in your teen years. Yep. And you dedicate so much time, your your affection. It was my growth years. It was my years of growth. Yeah, it was is. Deep it's in, steeped in another culture. Not only, just another culture, like a, not a first world culture. Yeah. and D- Very different. Freaking loved it. I, I tell everyone the greatest thing you can do is leave America at a young age and go and experience another culture. It just broadens you as a person. A hundred percent. And you can tell some, somebody that's done that, it's like you sit down for 10 minutes, you mm-hmm. talk with them. You immediately know. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like these immigrant kids in America. They're coming from, I don't know, from Asia, from, from mm-hmm. uh, Africa or, or, or even Latin America. And they come here maybe four or five years old. And then even when they're in their high school years, mm-hmm. you talk to them. They, they act like they're Americans. Yep. They speak English with no accent. Yep. They listen to all the music that American kids listen to. But just as they converse, you pick mm-hmm. up, bro, this guy thinks different. Yep. My high school was pretty diverse in the sense of, like, we had Italian kids, like, from Italy. We wow. had Portuguese kids from, from Portugal because yeah. their their parents were fishermen. Yeah, yeah, and, and over uh, in, in the Northeast, that's very common. Oh, dude. Yeah. So, like, I would go to some of my friends' houses, and their mom would be like, Misegada, it's a pasta. Like, legitimately, I'm not even being weird. They would sit down and just, like, force, yeah. they would, like, force pull, food pull your- tomatoes out of their apron Meatball. and make a sauce, you know? <laughs> And like, and like, I like, so I had that and I was around some of that growing yeah. up. I did a little bit of travel when I was young. Okay. But going to Paraguay at seven, it just shattered all the norms. And it set a precedent in my life that never allowed me to stay in the same place. Like, I have to travel. I have to see the world. I exactly. have to be with other cultures. And once I met, once I broke through in that one culture, it's opened up. Everything, so many right? more, it, right? It, so, like, Africa becomes easy for you now. To, super. Because you did the Paraguay yeah, experience. Yeah, and I know how to be like, oh, shut up, Will. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Do you remember being made fun of for three years? You yeah. know, like, because you yeah. thought you yeah. were the belly button of the world? Like, yeah. you thought America was the belly button of the world? Wow. You know? Wow. Like, 
And so, like, I, I, I've been through a lot of that. And I am a, like, you cut me, I'm going to bleed red, white, and blue. I love my yeah, nation. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But at the same time, getting out, having another culture. I got in-laws that live in South America. You know, yep. I got brother and sister-in-laws that, you know, that are. You have, you have a, a Mozambican niece. And I have a Mozambican, I have a Mozambican niece. She don't look like wow. any of us, you know. <laughs> And 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 she's part of our family. She I I look at her as my daughter, man. Wow. Because uh, my sister adopted her as a single mom. The- so so you and Moosey married. You're mm-hmm. in Africa. You're there serving Heidi's yep. vision. Bro, you got to tell us that crazy story you told us when you came to our church in São Paulo, Brazil. Which story? The one that the baby, the baby story. Birthing in yeah, in the middle in of the Mozambique. War. Oh, like go, like the Congo. Yeah, that story. <laughs> That's a crazy story, Will. Like going to the DRC? Yes. And like ministering to the soldiers? Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about the birthing story? The birthing story. Okay. But we could do the Congo story, Gosh, too. Gosh, they both take so long. No, do the birthing okay. story. Because uh, yeah, Cause I, think this is, I think the birthing story actually speaks to what we're talking about right okay. now. So, so Musi gives me a little <laughs> souvenir in the Congo. Okay? Booyah, mud hut. <laughs> 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 mud hut, mud bro. hut, mud Man. hut, and a sleeping bag. Oh uh, my gosh! War zone. It. Okay, time out. Time and like out. bullets are flying. Well, we, like, literally, that I mean, that's where we were. That's where he lived. Yeah, right? and we made a decision. Like, like we we're like, hey, we should have kids. Four days later, yeah, it was yeah. fast for us. So, uh, so we fly back to Mozambique. <laughs> Some of that mud hut oh. loving. Oh, uh, mud fly hut, back, bro. <laughs> Got, All right, yeah, so going back okay. to Mozambique, and uh, and on the way on the flight home, we so had you're a flying from Congo, yeah, to, to Mozambique. Mozambique. We okay. have a layover in Tanzania, and I was looking at my wife. I was like, "Man, something's changed about you. Like there was something changed about her." I was like, "You should go get a pregnancy test." So we do find out we're pregnant uh, in just, Tanzania. Just an impression you had? No. It was something in the natural. Okay, okay. I was like, things are changing. <laughs> okay, we don't. We don't you asked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but okay. I had like this. I had like. <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. Things are changing. Okay. And so I. I but it, she was only pregnant like three weeks okay. at that point. Two, two or three weeks. So. So she gets tested. Find out. We land back in Mozambique and I'm like, okay, so we tell the family, right? Everybody's super excited. Happy. The first question is. Where are you going to have the baby? Like, and so I sit down with my wife. I'm like, hey, I'll fly you to Paraguay. I'll fly you to America. I'll fly you to uh, South Africa, wherever you want to go. Like, we will have the baby. And my wife looked at me. Because those three places would be the easiest places to have babies. Safe, family, yep, safe, yep, right? Yep. And so we're chatting, and she's like, I don't think that we should have the baby in any of those places. I think we should have the baby here. Here as in Mozambique? Yeah. Wow. And I was praying, and I was like, I do too. And she said this statement. She made this statement. She said, God's called us here. Like, why, why do we only serve a nation when we feel safe? Like, isn't the call of God to a na- Like, you have everybody's like, to the nations, yeah. and then they, like, leave to do important things. Uh-huh. Like, if you're actually called to that place, mm-hmm. why would you leave it? Wow. Like, marry the land. Yeah, it's... It, I mean, listen, if, to anybody watching this... Like you do whatever the Lord's telling you, and like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. like Heidi's daughter, she had a pregnancy where she almost died, 
right? So like I'm I'm not talking about this flippantly. Yeah. I'm talking about my wife and and my journey. Like, like we you two went through your own journey yeah. and you said, yeah. we feel convictions from the Holy we Spirit. We feel like the Lord called us here. Millions of women have given birth here mm-hmm. with a infinitely less than what we have. Yes. Maybe we should have the baby here. And so it was so God, right? So like like and we had time. We had time to figure it out, right? So yeah. we're praying and we're asking people and we're not talking to the in-laws, but we're we're like figuring this thing out. So like Five months into it, a doctor shows up in Pemba, a new missionary doctor. Right, if people don't know, Pemba is in Mozambique. Yeah, northern Mozambique, uh, yeah. where we were planting the base with the bakers. Doctor shows up in, in Pemba, and she was spectacular. The sweetest woman I ever met. This doctor. Yeah, so we like kind of, you know, we kind of yeah, like yeah, wine yeah. and dine. Hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then we like throw the question, will you deliver our baby in Pemba? And she was like, I was hoping you would ask that. Wow, and 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 she and and she had worked in like the inner city, and I think in Miami or something like that. Okay, and all she had done was like delivered five hundred babies with Latinas. Oh, bro! <laughs> so I mean that that was that's her backyard, right? She there. She was like, "I got you, girl. I've yep. done you. Yep. Like yep. I yep. know yep. your culture. We yes. we got this. Yes. We got this, chica." Man, and, the Lord mm-hmm. ordained that. Totally. Come on. So we're in the middle of nowhere, rural northern northern Mozambique, and now we got like a doctor that's just. And, and when you say rural, you mean bush, bush, right? Yeah, Pemba's a little bit of a city, but you go ten miles out, and it's just back a hundred years. Man, yeah. And so, and so, um, we go through the pregnancy, do all the things. Like month eight, okay, we're at, and there was like a point where you can't cross, right? Yeah. You can't get on flights anymore, yeah. Right? You can't drive because driving to the closest place. It's like five days. That would be like a healthy place for her to give birth. It was five days. We went and toured the clinic, and there was just like blood on the walls, stirrups, oh a room with like five women. No they just way. line them up. Husbands aren't allowed in there. And like that was, and, and we're just like, we're not doing that. So we get a yeah. book, uh, Where There Are No Doctors, a book for midwives. And it was on like a medical shelf that we had. There's somebody brought it. And it's like, lay down plastic bag. Deposit baby on bag. Like, that's squat gently. You know, like, it, and it's got, like, pencil drawings of, like, villagers birthing. Like, that was what we used. And we had this doctor. What year is this? Uh, 15 years ago. 2006. Yeah, 2006 is when Josh was born. Wow. So, okay, so... So <laughs> we crossed the threshold of like, hey, we actually are having the baby here. Yeah, you got it. You have yeah, to now. Yeah, we're not driving because yeah. if she gives, we're not, you know, if she goes into labor, we're not doing that. We're not going to do the clinic. We're going to do it at home. We got this amazing doctor. We got friends. Boom, let's go for it. Two weeks before my wife's due, knock at the door. Open up the door. It's the doctor lady. And she, what did she say? She goes, <laughs> Have you you've heard, you've heard this before, right? So long She's like, ago. I just got my dream job at a at a university, a Christian university. They said if I want to take it, I have to leave now, like tomorrow. I'm leaving. I'm taking the job. You're gonna be fine. You'll figure it so, out. So she did. She you. leaves. She did. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my so, god. So so now we're like now we're like two weeks out. We definitely can't fly. We definitely can't drive anywhere. We're doing this. We're figuring this thing out. So we like rally the troops. So like you're reading the book. That's how you yeah, figure it the book, out. And we like rally the troops. We have Yanni. She was a nurse practitioner, and okay. she had like watched a video in school. <laughs> okay. So we had Yanni. This is only getting better. I'm not joking. Yeah. We had Yanni. We had my sister who like wanted to become a doula, like a midwife, yeah, yeah. and did like two yeah. like public courses, like two classes. Okay. 
uh, and but my wife was like, "It's weird that your sister is going to be there when I birth." Like, but we're like, "Whatever, we're missionaries." Then there was like a grandmother. <laughs> So we were like, cool. That's your team. Yeah, you've done it. And then this girl shows up. She was 16 years old. Her parents had done like home births, and yes. she had helped her mom like deliver some of her siblings. Okay. And we were her like- siblings? Yeah. And, yes. Wow. And, and like I think she helped with her sister's births. She had done like three, she had been a part of like three or four births. No training, no nothing. And we we're like, you're head of the team. And she's like, boo, yeah. The, the, the teenager? Yeah, she was 16 17 oh or 18, I forget. Gosh, I forget exactly. We're like, She's like the most experienced. We're like, you're the, most, you're the head of the team. A week goes by. Knock at the door. So now she, the, the doctor's Doctor's left. gone. You got a new team. We got a new team. The head of it's this, let's just call her, eight, I think she was 18. Okay, the and, then, and now you have a knock at the door. Knock at the door. 18-year-old's there. I have emergency at home. I have to leave home. The, the girl. The girl. See ya. Oh, my God. So now we just have the like this nurse. What is Moosey saying? Like, like I'm making light of this, but like, there's a point where I'm like, my, no, I could desperate. have killed my wife. Like, this could kill no, my no, wife. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we're navigating. It's, it's not all a this. light thing. No, 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 not at all, not at all. And and so looking back now, it is. But I mean, you can yeah. you can make jokes. But I also stuff, but I'm, I mean, ar- I'm around people whose kids like they've been in the, like top notch hospitals and they've almost died. True. Because the birthing had gone horrible. True. Or the umbilical cord my, was wrapped around the my neck. My first son. Okay. Best hospital in Latin America. Yep. And, and we had, man, it was. Yeah. So imagine that tension, but having nothing there. Like you're in a like tin roof. My God. <laughs> like Bro, our, like, our like bed. When, when, when Zach was being born uh-huh. and we started seeing the complications, like Junior will tell you, man, I, I, just, I just freeze. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get, like, I'm not, like, weeping. I'm not, like, yelling, yeah. desperate. I just kind of go on this, like, paralysis. <laughs> right? I know that feeling, man. And she was, like, and when Zach came out, no no heart. I mean, he wasn't breathing, bro. Oh, my God. Like, he, he came out blue. That's what Bella did, our second one. Exact yeah, same thing. Yeah, he came thing. out blue, and they put him on this tray. Did they have, like, the thing? Yeah, they were trying. Yep. Before they did that, Junior was, like, Pray for him. Yeah. I'm like, I'm praying. And she's yelling from the other side, in the name of Jesus. Dude. Bro. This is my wife. The exact same bro, story with our second going, one. You know, yeah. Rio yeah. de Janeiro on it. Yeah. Oh, those Latina women, man. <laughs> exact same thing happened with my daughter, except we didn't have the squeezy thing because oh, we did it gosh. twice in our house. Oh, so, 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 but, but this, we're talking yeah. about Josh. We're talking about Josh. Your firstborn. Yep. So, so the, the girl goes away. She leaves. And so then, now we got the nurse you're, practitioner you're a week. who's seen a video. We got my sister and a grandmother. And so, and so fast forward a week, I go diving because I had all my own gear and we lived on the ocean. So I'm out there. I come home and my wife's got like the list of all like the stuff that you need. No, like the Oh, oh the, the contractions. So contractions. she's keeping tabs on it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, how bad is it? Because it was Saturday and we mm-hmm. only had Saturday off. I was like, on a scale from one to ten, how bad is it? She's like, I don't know. I was like, we're going to the beach. So we go to the beach. Do the beach. Yeah. It was Saturday. Okay. 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 Uh, so we go to the beach. Because like I, we also read in our book, it can take like 25, 20 hours, 30 yeah, hours. So yeah. we're like, okay, let's go to the beach. So we you drive. Relax, we yeah. motor 45 minutes out of the city. And we're on the beach. And my wife, we got her chair. So this, thumbs up. You're good. Thumbs down. We got a motor home. Uh-huh. We're all swimming. Finally get the thumbs down. Motor home. Boom. Get her in our house. She's... So you're going home, you, you get you get home. And it gets worse as we're driving. 
I drop my wife at the house and I book it over to our clinic with Yanni, who was the nurse practitioner. And we just start, we go into like a room that's about the size of this room and it's just boxes of medical supplies. So I'm grabbing band-aids like Tylenol. I'm grabbing, uh, Tylenol, just whatever. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm grabbing, (laughs) I didn't need band-aids either. I'm still grabbing. I'm just grabbing stuff. (laughs) Yanni's grabbing stuff. And I and this thing happens to me. So I I remember as we're like frantically grabbing things, trying to get back to the house. I remember reading in in the book like sometimes you need a hook to break water, to break your wife's water. Oh my! So I go, Yanni, you got a hook? Is there a hook anywhere? Oh my gosh! And the please. week prior, our dentist from Pennsylvania visited and did like a bunch of dental work. Yeah. And then, like, left. So he left, like, a week prior. And he left all of his dental gear there. So I'm digging through boxes looking for a hook. Like, that's the only thing I know. Like, sometimes you need a hook. You, I mean, it was Holy Spirit then. I'm, I'm figuring. I, I, listen, I, that's the, I've never thought about it before, never thought about it after. But I'm there in the moment. Yeah. And I find his dental tools. And this was our dentist back in Pennsylvania. Okay. It, just by chance, he happened to be there. I grab his dental tool. I look it up. I'm like, this looks like a hook. Chuck it in the box. Go back home. And we enter into 12 hours of chaos. We have no idea what's going oh on. Oh, my God. We don't know the heartbeat. We don't know whether she's dilated. At one point, we're like, yeah, it's 10 centimeters or whatever. And the next one, we're like, I think it's two. Like, and then we're like, we have no idea what we're doing. And so, I, well, I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's a little part. I, like a week and a half prior, I was sipping coffee down at a cafe downtown Mozambique. And I see this guy who wasn't white. And because he wasn't white, we just talked. Because you never saw, back in the day, you never saw anybody that, like, wasn't white. So okay. I go up to him, I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, hola, que tal? And I spoke a little Spanish, so we start talking. He's from Cuba. He was there okay. training Mozambicans to do medical work. Okay. Gives me his card. I, I left that part out of the story. So we're... So you're running back home. We're 12 hours now into this. Oh, my god. With gosh. my wife. And we finally get to a point at 4 in the morning. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. And I break down. We don't know if she's dilated. We don't even know if her water had broken yet. Now, how old are you? I'm 23. Are you thinking, like, I'm going to kill my wife? Yes. So I drop to my knees. I, I get to this point where I'm like, get out of here. I yell at everyone. Leave my room. And I drop to my knees and I repent. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so scared. Like To her. To yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying this to yeah. Lucy. Yeah. And I'm on my knees by our bed. And, like, I put down a shower curtain over our mattress, cause, like, yeah. and I'm on my knees, and I'm just repenting to her, like, I'm so sorry. And what did she say? And she starts comforting me. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Dude, I felt like I killed her. I felt like I killed my wife and my firstborn son. That is nuts, man. Yeah. And then you, like, you're repenting, and then what did she say? So like- I remember... In that moment, I remember that I had this doctor that was training those guys that I met. And I go, call, and I call him at four in the morning. And he answers the phone at four in the morning. Oh my gosh. And I tell him, I'm like, you got to come in my house now. Yeah. We don't know what's going on. He's like, okay. I send a missionary, picks him up, and he walks in like Don Juan. Like, Don like Juan. friggin' Don, okay? Shirts Owning unbuttoned it. down to here. Oh, my. Oh, like just, that? Like, just friggin' forest coming out of his chest. <laughs> Little golden cross tucked in there, and he's chewing gum. At least he wasn't coming in with a Cuban cigar Dude, or something. He huh? smelled like he just took a bath in cologne. Four in the morning. I don't know <laughs> what he was doing. 
He was probably out in the club. He probably was. He walked into our house. And my wife looked up at him, and she goes, get this baby out of me. And, like, in Spanish. Killing him. In Spanish. Oh, in Spanish. So you just have to think about this. Like, we're in northern Mozambique, and the Lord brings my wife a doctor. That understands that speaks the mother her tongue. own language. Yeah. Come on. And we were 12 hours into chaos. Nobody knew anything. I felt like I was killing my wife. And this Cuban doctor, who wasn't a believer, walks into my house Looks at my wife after she yells at me. He just laughs. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. I uh-huh. kid you not. Peace dropped into the house. That oh, creepy laugh that this guy, like, it, it just peace fell into the house. And, he, and he, he looks at my wife for a second. He looks at me. He goes, you got a hook? Oh, my gosh. And, I'll, and I reach into the box and put this <laughs> dental thing. And he goes... I can't work with that. Oh, Five, man. Ten minutes later, Josh was delivered. Yeah. Ten minutes later. Yeah, it just slid right out. Bro, that is nuts. Yeah. See, the crazy thing is because I'm about to have her third son. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, this is like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hitting yeah. home. So why is that important to the context of what we were talking about prior? The craziest thing took place. My wife became Mozambican. In the process. She began, she, first of all, just Josh is Mozambican. He was Mozambican. He got his Mozambican passport before he got his American passport. Oh, wow. So he's dual citizen today. Mm -hmm. My wife gained the respect of every single Mozambican woman that knew her. Why? Because she took place in something and did something that not even they would do. Like some of them, they're going to the hospital. Yeah. She had Josh in the house. Not because like we were earthy, crunchy hippies. Like we were just doing it. Yeah. She gained respect out of the entire every single woman in the community. Like they're they're saying Moosey. She's a Mozambican. Walks she's one of us. What she taught. She's one of us. Wow. Done. Wow. We 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 became Mozambican that day. Moosey did. Man. And of course now, like everything she's speaking, it's hitting them yep. in a different way. Yeah. She can talk. She knows what it's like to give birth in a house, just like they do. It, it, it's kind of like Paul when he says, to the Jew, I became Jew. Mm-hmm. To the Greek, I became yep. Greek. To win a few. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. And so I, I was sharing this in the class that I had today. Yeah. Because I was oh, talking. Oh, you shared this story in class? I actually did yesterday. Oh. I, and I haven't shared this story in a long time. But I said, like, so many missionaries, they go and they, they're like, I'm called to whatever. Uh, I'm called to Mexico. And they go and they set up like a, like a base with barbed wire around it. <laughs> like, a, like an embassy. Mm-hmm. Like they, the U.S. Embassy in they, Mexico. They probably. won't let yeah. you in. Yeah, yeah. They, they put up high walls and high fences. And they only let you in if you know the Lord or fit their... Stereotype. And like one of the greatest things that we did, and one of the, this is something that Heidi and Rollin modeled. And if I didn't have it modeled to me... There were so many times that we got robbed or mm-hmm. that I would have done that. I actually brought Heidi uh, a plan to get our whole fence electrified once because I was so sick of dealing with break-ins and robberies and all mm. that stuff. But like once you become, once you become a part of the culture, once you enter in, and, and we're never going to be Mozambican, right? Mm-hmm. We're never going to be that. But once you become and enter into the culture, everything changes. There's a respect. There's a... 
that, that, that you can't get if you just come and try to bring your culture there. We cannot be colonizers. That's good, Will. That's right? good, man. Jesus did not tell us to be colonizers. He told us to make disciples, and he told us to love. Yep, yep. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we need to go low and slow. And that's why it's so important. So these moments, like this moment where, where Josh became a Mozambican, that did more for us than all the preaching, all the teaching. Come on, man. All, all of it. That did more for us. And I just think it's really important that when people say they're called, not that you have to have your baby there, but you fully invest. You, you really take part of the culture. You, you, it, it becomes this incarnation, mm-hmm. right? Into the culture where the Lord is taking you to the nation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like Jesus, man, if you think about it. You know, he didn't save the world you know, from outside or mm. isolating himself. He, right. he became God incarnate, right? Yep. And so he, and he dwelt among us, the word says, right? Mm. If you think about it, man, he was breaking bread with us. He yep. was, you know, he was getting, you know, moshed by the, by the crowds. Yep. He was, uh, you know, literally rubbing shoulders mm-hmm. with people. And he was speaking to them in their cultural context, too. Totally. He, his parables even were cultural. Yeah. Right, yeah. the parable of the good Samaritan. The Samaritan was the lowest class. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> and a woman, right? And not a very dignified woman. No. Yeah, he he would get in there, man. Mm-hmm. He understood the culture. He understood the context, and he knew how to speak speak to people exactly where their hearts are at. And, if you want to yeah. do missions, you have to be able to meet people where they're at. And that, this is what I think, man. I I think to a certain degree. I mean, I, I know this is a sweeping statement, but to a certain degree, it's never been as easy to do missions as it has been nowadays. It's such a globalized world. Yeah. Right? The, the cross-cultural shock that people go through mm-hmm. is so minimized today. Now, given there's other challenges that yeah. we have in 2021 yeah. to do missions, but one of the things that I feel like in 2021 for a young man, young woman that wants to do missions is like, this, this is what I tell people. Like, they ask me, hey, I want to I do missions here or there. I say, learn the language, love 100%. the food, mm-hmm. love the music. 100%. Bro, and, like, I remember when I was, uh, when I, was um, I think, 14 years old, mm-hmm. this missionary from America came to teach us. I went to an American school in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. He came to teach us as a, as a missionary teacher, and I remember the first thing he did which was very different from the other missionaries. Yep. Because the other missionaries lived in a bubble. Mm-hmm. I know of missionaries that lived in Brazil for 40 years don't even speak Dude. like four f- sentences in Portuguese. Yep. Right? Uh, don't tell me that's a, a <laughs> language blockage. That's no. pure... Like, it's laziness. Yeah, and pure lack of will, mm-hmm. right? But anyway, this guy comes. I'm 14 years old, and he sits in front of me and three other friends, and he says, I play basketball. Yeah. I serve. He's from San Diego. Mm-hmm. And he says, I see that you guys don't really play much basketball. And he says, you guys play soccer. I said, yeah. And he goes, what's your team? I said, Sao Paulo. <laughs> and then he says, really? I said, yeah. And from now on, I said, you are a Sao Paulo fan. Bro, we, we kind of like, we took money. Yeah. All of the Sao Paulo fans bought him a jersey. Stop. Brought it to him. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, Mr. Rugg, you're a Sao Paulo fan, right? <laughs> Bro, he would go to soccer games with us. He, yeah. do you, can you imagine? Like, He would just take these high school kids to soccer games, yeah. bro. 
eat street food with us. Yeah. You know, chant stuff that, I mean, he if he knew what he was saying, he would not say it. <laughs> right. Dude, I told this to the mission school yesterday. I said, don't bring your freaking granola bars. Do you know how insulting that is? To wow. show up in a nation and say you're called to that nation and you won't even take place in the thing that 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 you connect over the most which is food, food and meals you can't be a vegetarian yeah listen to me i'm listen you can okay and i know there's missionary veg but somebody asked me this they asked me the question will what if i'm a vegetarian i said you eat whatever's put in front of you biblically you eat whatever's put in front of you whatever it is but i don't eat meat i said i don't eat cat but yet i ate <laughs> boiled cat with somebody because i wanted to honor them I wanted to honor that they were giving me the most thing that the most that they had. Wow. And there there is no way that you would say no. Did I throw up afterwards? Yeah. Will you throw up afterwards? Sure. Mm -hmm. But your rules and regulations don't yeah. apply internationally. Yeah. I mean, once you once you gain respect, once you gain once yeah, you rapport, gain community, you yeah, rapport. Favor, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Heidi well, doesn't pay, pay your dues. Pay your dues. Heidi doesn't eat as much rice yeah. as on the yeah. plate. And they know that because she's lived there. She's like, I don't want to eat that much rice. She has the ability to say that right now. Yeah. I don't. They put that much rice in front of me. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna eat it. Yeah, yeah. Bro, see, our time is like, man, I love this conversation. <laughs> I mean, we could literally be here for 12 hours. Oh, yeah. Because we got so much stories and and I mean, we haven't even hit the surface, bro. I gotta have you back. We gotta do it. Let's do this thing again. But before we go, um, I have this feeling that the Great Commission is being put as the center theme of Christianity again. You know, And we know it is mm -hmm. the centerpiece. But I kind of feel like the Lord in post-pandemic world is you know, just re-emphasizing. It's about discipleship, man. Yeah. It's about discipling nations. It's about... You know, it's it's not about the the the, the conferences, the big events, and right. you know, and you know me, bro. I have yeah. nothing against the big no, events. You don't. You've done right? a bunch of big ones. Yeah, and 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 you've you've too. I've you been do, at them. Yeah, and you've done yours too. So yeah, and we were right before the pandemic, you know, together on yeah. stage. Oh, one of the greatest moments of my life. Right, we were together on stage with with Randy Clark, who's like a spiritual father to you. He's one of like my biggest inspirations. Mm -hmm. For me to to do that with you two was like, I'll take it for the rest of my life. It was one of like I'm not joking. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. Oh, for me too. And man. it had nothing to do with the crowd size. It had everything to do with standing next to a friend and a father. Yeah. yeah. And watching your dream. Oh, bro. Come yeah. Come to pass. Like I tell people, like because we were in Morumbi Stadium in São Paulo, which is Morumbi Stadium. For those that don't know, is the home stadium of São Paulo Football Club. <laughs> my team. My yeah, my. Yeah, yeah. I say it's what what happened there is the equivalent of a kid that grew up in New York City, yeah. Yankee fan, yeah. preaching to the Yankee stadiums, packed out with people hungry for Jesus. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's what happened there. I'm with you. And even so, I'm thinking, this is not it. Yeah. <sighs> like, you know, all this, this obsession with stadium Christianity kind of yeah. gets me a little bit upset. Because <laughs> it's not about the stadiums, no, man. No. They're good. They're an encouragement. The thing that I loved about the 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 send more than all the other events that i've been to is that you guys actually were commissioning people it wasn't just about the gathering it was about the sending yeah but even in that even in i think the beauty of what you and andy and the team all of them accomplished it still didn't fulfill you 
it still wasn't the pinnacle. Oh and yeah. And that's yeah. where I look at like stop stop for the one. Yes. The discipleship. No, I I can speak for for you know for the leadership and especially you know, I'm very close to Andy and, and mm-hmm. you too. Love him. It's, you know, the stadiums, bro, I mean, they have to be a means to an end. Yeah. And I feel like this end, which is the Great Commission, is being placed by the Holy Spirit in the front burner of a generation. Yeah. Especially post-pandemic. Mm. I mean, do you feel that too? Yeah. I, I, think, I think what this pandemic has done to those who have ears to hear, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's, shaken away everything that is unnecessary all the all the the extra and it's brought us back yeah. to our core it's brought people back to their core and uh yeah that is the great commission that is giving your life away bro every time i talk to you i get pumped for <laughs> I love the, you, man. The, the great commission bro yeah. uh, and like i said man you are a true revivalist bro Thank you, man. Like I, it's like watching you yesterday with the kiddos, bro. <laughs> like you, you were ministering to maybe a hundred kids, all under eight, ten, or something like yeah, that. About eight to twelve. Yeah, eight to fourteen. Yeah. Bro, they're getting light. I mean, they're they're getting lit up by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was like, I'm like that. That's what it's all about. You I know? love it. You do it to kids. You do it to, <laughs> to packed out conferences and big I venues in America and Europe, whatever, and. Uh, Bro, I so appreciate you. Thank you for coming on this. Thanks, too. I am positive people will be inspired by your story. Oh, I love you, man. Uh, I, I love you, buddy. Thank you for having me on. Love, Junia. I'm excited for the new baby. Yes. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see you again, man. All right, bro. Bless you.